Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, this is Alan Tecchio. And this is Mike Lapon from Mike Lapon's Silent Assassins. And you're listening to Talking Metal. Hello, all. My name is Jason McMaster, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland.
Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel. We have some great guests on the show tonight. Jason McMaster, known for his work, of course, with Dangerous Toys, is going to be joining me. He is speaking about Hollow Sycamore tonight, which is a, a new project he's working on. And in the Talking Metal living room with me right now, we have Mike Lapon, known for his work with Symphony X. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks how are for, you? Thanks for coming over, man. Thanks Fantastic. For and Alan Tecchio. How are you, Alan? Happy to be here. Super Alan, psyched. of course, known for his work with many different groups, including Watchtower, which we have Jason on. So both yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the known Jason. vocalists of Watchtower on today's show. And, of course, Hades, Nonfiction, Autumn Hour. We're going to talk to you about what's, what's going on with uh, also Level Fields today. But let's start with the great new record that you guys just put out and it's the Mike Lapon Silent Assassin Pawn and Prophecy just some great stuff on this record guys and Mike you're handling most of the instruments it seems like and Alan most of the vocals right so let's let's talk about the record we're going to come right back and chat with these guys but let's first actually listen to a song off the record this is Hordes of Fire off of Mike Lapon's silent assassin record, Pawn and Prophecy. Ancient Albion The right 
That was Hordes of Fire by Mike Lapon's Silent Assassins. We are here with two Silent Assassins right in my living room, Mike Lapon and Alan Tecchio. Let's uh, let's talk about the record, Mike. This the, the lyrics on this record. I mean, the instrumental stuff is just insane, which I'd expect from you because you're such a great musician. But uh, you know, the lyrics, which I believe you wrote the lyrics, right? Yes, I did. They're very. They all seem like almost stories. Like they're like these tales, and, and they take you different places. What what inspired the lyrics on on this record? Like, uh, are there different things in your life? Or is there fantasy? I mean, I hear like a lot of stuff that I think is maybe fantasy and fiction based, but maybe not. I mean, tell me what inspired the lyrics on this record. All my lyrics are, have to do with either mythology, history or literature. Right. Okay. For some reason, uh, when I write heavy metal songs, you know, those like epic stories for me just fit, uh, with metal perfectly, Yeah. you know? Totally. So a lot of times I'll, I'll have lyrics first, and then I'll see, oh, I want to write like a little mini soundtrack to the, the story, you know? So I'm yeah. definitely a storyteller. Right. And um, on both the solo albums, that was definitely the case. Right. And, and Alan, when you get these songs from Mike, how important is that story to you? Do you have to, before you deliver that vocal line, do you have to kind of understand what's going on in the story? How important are these lyrics to you when you deliver the vocals? I appreciate that question because it's a, it's a really good one. I'm not really the mythology, old school metal kind of guy lyrically right. when I write my own lyrics. Right. So I was never really into it, but I will tell you that on songs like The Outsider on the first solo record we did a couple years ago, it got me to research what Mike got the influence for for that, right, which right. in that case was H.P. Lovecraft, right? Oh, okay. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and I read the story then. Right. You oh, know, wow. which I probably never would have read that story had it not been for that song. Right. And that's after singing it, tracking it, releasing the record and going, wow. you know, let me look into this thing. Yeah, yeah. So I will tell you, there is definitely something to what Mike does. And, and I know it's a classical metal thing for sure. Like all the old school bands, right. Man of War, et cetera, have had that kind of derivative, well, you know, source of, you know, Maiden. Iron Maiden. Yeah. yeah, yeah I you mean, know Maiden, I mean? the whole reason I, I read Dune was to tame a land. Absolutely. You know? so, yeah. Perfect example. When right. that movie came out, that was right around that time. I was so into it. And, right. and the whole thing. And Frank Herbert, I was so mad at him for not letting him use the name. Right, right, you know? right. And, yeah. And yeah, yet I would an not have known story, of yeah. Frank Herbert or any of that stuff had yeah. it been not for Maiden. Let's, you know, let's talk about some of these uh, individual songs, because you have songs, you know, like like Black Legend and the song we heard earlier, Hordes of Fire, which pretty much straight ahead, great sounding metal. But then there's other stuff that is still under that metal umbrella, but very diverse. The Mulberry Tree, which is one we listened to in your car about two weeks ago, Alan, which just blew me away, this flamenco style guitar one of my favorites off the record. What's what's the story behind this? First of all, is that you on flamenco guitar, Mike? Oh no! Oh no. God! No. <laughs> oh no! Okay. No, um, just a, a friend of mine who, a local Jersey musician named Rod Rivera. Okay. And uh, I thought he would be perfect for this song because I, even though he's a metal guitarist, yeah, he grew up learning flamenco guitar. His, right. His dad played and taught him, and uh, that's easily uh, one of the best solos, if not the best solo on the whole album. Right. I gotta say, I listened to it today, and it's just, it, you can't 
you're just fixated to it. The solo yeah. is so good. And I didn't mean to laugh at you for not being able to play the flamenco like that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's so over the top. You're right. like, you know, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, I called him up the first time I heard it. I'm like, Mike, really? I'm like, and I even wrote to Rod directly on Facebook. I'm like, that solo is ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. Great stuff. And what is the mulberry tree? What's the, what's the story behind that? Um, that came from a, a Roman myth called uh, Pyramus and Thisbe. Right. And um, the rumor is that Shakespeare kind of borrowed that story for Romeo and Juliet. Ah, okay. So it's like a tragedy. Um, right. These two, these two young lovers, they meet every day at this mulberry tree because their parents don't want them together. Oh, so okay. one day the uh, the girl gets there first before the guy, and this lion chases her off, you know. And I guess it got a little bloody, but she got away. Right. So then the the guy comes and he sees the blood and he sees the tracks of the animal. And he thinks she's dead. Wow. And he loves her so much that he kills himself. Wow. So she comes back and sees him dead. Yeah. And then she kills herself. Oh. So it's a real tragedy. Heavy but stuff. But a yeah. love, you know, a real love story. Yeah. The thought is that the, that's why the mulberry tree has the red, right? Because of the blood? Ah. Yes. Then the mulberry tree turns red. Right. Wow. And Pawn and Prophecy, the title track, I mean, talk about <laughs> diversity. I mean, this, this has, you know, the bass solo, this has numerous vocalists, right? Who, who's the female vo- voice in that? There's actually four females. Wow. Um, because in the play, there's three witches. Okay. And then there's Lady Macbeth. Wow. Macbeth's wife. So I thought it would be really cool... And it would add some flavor to this long song because the, you know, the challenge is how do you keep someone's interest for 20 minutes? Yeah. You know, so. 21, 20, almost 22 <laughs> minutes. Almost yeah. <laughs> almost 22 minutes. Yeah. So, um, like you say, I, I, uh, I made the song go through all these twists and turns. I mean, how many different parts? Are there like, <laughs> like 14, 15 different parts? Of, you know, I think I got it? it written down here. There's 11. 11. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Some are very short parts. Right. But uh yeah, it took me about I'd say it took me about 2 years to write the song completely. Right. Originally I wanted Symphony X to do this. I had uh I had this idea for at least 10 to 15 years. Yeah. I had this idea, but it, but every time Symphony X would be working on a record, everybody would put their ideas on the table, it just never happened. Right. So I finally said, "You know what? I'm going to try it." You know, it I'm was so glad I never did that. That's great. <laughs> and and I mean, the the it goes from the piano solo part, and then suddenly somewhere the bluesy fifties kind of rockabilly thing comes in. I mean, that's it, that's very cool. Yeah, what I wanted to do there was, you know, it's such a serious song. You right. know, everything is so serious and dark. I said, you know what. I'm just going to put in a blues part just to lighten up the mood yeah, and, and let everybody just relax and have a good time. And it was fun. You know, there's like doo-wops in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that you doing the doo-wops? No. I don't think so yeah. now, right? No, that was uh, me and uh, Michael Pinella, the keyboard player <laughs> oh, of okay. Symphony X. Yes, right. So um, that was, it was kind of fun. And, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of the people that have been listening to it now and, whether fans or press, I mean, they think it's 
they think it's fun, you know? Yeah. No, it's definitely a, a great journey, that song, as is the whole record. Of course, we're talking with Mike LaPond from Mike LaPond's Silent Assassins, and the new record is Pawn and Prophecy. He is here with Alan Tecchio, who handles the majority of the vocals, right, on the record. Yeah, I mean, yeah. except for that song. That one song, right, yep. yeah. But a lot of, there's a lot of gang vocals, too, that we did together and whatnot, you know, for sure. But yeah, all the lead vocals. Cool. Another great tune that I'm, I'm digging. I mentioned Black Legend, which is really a straight. You know, why don't do you mind if we play that right now? Play Black Legend for yeah. The, let's play it. Yeah. Let's. This is a real straight ahead metal rocker right here, guys. You can pick this up on iTunes. The physical copy, I'm sure, is available. What on Amazon and sure, it's Amazon. You should be able to get it anywhere that you can. You know, buy CDs. Cool. Again, this is. I just want to say, I I wish this song was about Shaft, because when I went into the studio, I'm like, this is so cool, you wrote a song about Shaft, but it's not. It's about the Spanish Inquisition. Ah, okay. (laughs) There you go. Black Legend, this is Alan Tecchio on vocals, of course, Mike LaPone on bass, and you playing guitar on this one, too? I play rhythm guitar. Rhythm guitar. And... Who handles most of the solos on the record, by the way? Oh, it's kind of split up. Well, uh, we spoke about my friend Rod Rivera. Right. He plays a few solos on the record. And then I have this this young whiz kid, and his name is Lance Barnwald, lives in Queens. Wow, okay. And a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. And um, so I brought him on board, and he did a fantastic job on the leads. He plays... uh, on Black Legend as yep. well, um, so those guys together made a really great combination of the young and the new, and the old school. And is is Michael? Uh, you mentioned uh, played some keyboards from Symphony X, but Michael uh, Romeo is he is he playing any parts on the record? Michael Romeo plays on the uh, title track. Okay, and he did all the orchestration, and he did all the drum programming. So, uh, yeah, he was a huge part of it, just like he was part of a huge part of the first First record. Right. Cool. And on that note, this is Black Legends, again, off the Pawn and Prophecy record by Mike LaPon's Silent Assassins.
What you just heard was Black Legends by Mike LaPons, Silent Assassins, brand new stuff here, just was released last month. Uh, Silent Assassins, what's the meaning behind that? Well, you know, I think uh, the first time I ever heard that, I was I was in some band in like late late 80s, early 90s. And the singer at the time just happened to mention that name from some book he read. And I, it just stayed with me forever, right. for all these years. Yeah. And then I finally got a chance to use it. But I think it's cool because... Like a um, ninja reference or something? I don't know. I think a ninjas for some reason. I think it's like, or hired guns. Right, okay. You know? Right. And um, because a lot of people, I guess, you know, they hear the record. They don't know really know even who's in the band. And then... Uh, but this time around, we revealed Alan. Yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe the next record will reveal or unmask some more. That would be cool. I, I love the fact that we've got Silent Assassin 1 and 2 at least, you know, known. But I got I to gotta say, the first song, the first album in the song is about the Trojan War, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The actual... Uh, the actual song, Silent Assassin, is about the Trojan War. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's off the first. That's the first, the first album, right. yeah. And, you know, you, you had that record that was probably, what, like two, three years ago at this point? The first? Yeah, it was released really September 2014. Okay. And the Pawn and Prophecy record was just uh, released in January 2018. Do you envision that there'll be more with this? Is this uh, a continuing thing? Do you see more... Mike LaPon Silent Assassin albums down the road? Yeah, I mean, I'm having fun writing the stuff and uh, getting great feedback. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, it's a great record. Deal, right? Yes. So technically, there's an option for two more records. Okay. So um, they'll surface at some point. <laughs> and who are you working with? This is, uh, oh, this is Frontiers, right? Frontiers. It's on Frontiers right, right. Music. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And what about live gigs? Would you guys, did you guys, I don't think you've ever played live shows, right? We never did any uh, live shows. You know, I, I definitely want to play live. Right. But it just, I don't know, it just didn't happen yet. Yeah. But um, definitely I think it will happen with this record. Especially okay. that, you know, Frontiers is behind it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think they're going to push it and I think they're going to find something cool. 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 And do you already have like a drummer and a live guitar player in mind for the the live setting or not? They definitely got some people in mind. Right. You know, I guess it all depends on when Schedules it'll and happen yeah. and, and all that. But uh, cool. Alan's on board, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Put him on the spot here. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, I, let's let's also talk about you know you guys you guys have so much other stuff going on. Of course, Symphony X. How, how's Russell doing? You know, I haven't talked to Russell in a while. Right. But uh, he was out on tour with uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra. Okay. So you know, I think that's a very therapeutic thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think it's something to get out there and you know face your fears and all that right. kind of stuff. Good. But uh, Symphony X, where. We're talking about maybe getting together in about a month or so and uh, start writing songs again for another record. Okay, cool. Because it's been it's been like three years, right? Since no, the last year. Has it? Yeah, I think Underworld I had down came out in 2015, right? Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Summer of 2015. Yeah. And uh, 
And last year, we didn't do anything. You know, um, right. I was touring with Ross the Boss. Right. Um, Michael Romeo was recording a solo album. Okay. And Russ was touring with the Adrenaline Mob, of course. Right. Right. Cool. And Alan, you know, you've given us so much great stuff through the years and I want to talk about what you're up to now besides, of course, the silent assassin stuff. But real quick, uh, you gave me a real cool reissue of of Hades. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So Dan Lorenzo, again, orchestrated a re-release of the first record we did. Right. And it's actually Resisting Success Hades. It's great. I mean, the artwork's great. The layout's great. There's a ton of bonus tracks on there demo stuff and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's cool. That just came out, and I urge everyone to go get it if you have an interest in that kind of cool. early metal. Yeah, yeah. What year was that originally released? I think 86, maybe? Wow. Wow. 85, okay. 86. 85, I think, was the single, The Cross Widow's Might, and 86, I think, was the record. Nice, nice. But yeah, so a long time ago. <laughs> cool. And, of course, Autumn Hour. I was always a big fan of, of your work with Autumn Hour. Is that officially kind of on the shelf? It's pretty much right? done. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we lost yeah. our drummer, and nothing ever really resurfaced with right. that whole project. Yeah. He was kind of an integral member. Yeah. And, um, but... The bass player Clint Arendt and I are still in a band together called Level Fields. Cool, and yeah, we have two other. That, yeah. yeah, we have two other guys in Germany that we play with: Marco Ahrens, right, and Andreas Tegler. And we just do stuff online. We have probably about twelve songs. We're at this stage of the game. I, I doubt we'll get a record deal, but we'll try to put, you know put it out on our own, release it on your own. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and just get it out there. It's really cool stuff. I love stylistically, it. stylistically. What would you, how would you compare it? There's a little nonfiction in right. it. Okay. There's a little. Other, I don't even know what, more like organic kind of sound to it too. Right. Like some really, I think we're pushing the envelope and I'm, I'm always taking the attitude that I'm a lifelong learner and every day is a school day. So just trying to get better at what I do and it allows me to kind of freely create vocally. And I get to do all the lyrics, melodies, harmonies, and all that stuff, you know. Awesome. Cool. And, you know, we're going to, in just a few minutes here, an interview with Jason McMaster of Dangerous Toys and Watchtower fame and, and Howling Sycamore is the, the project he's working on now, among many other things, which he's going to tell us about. But you uh, released some some new music with with Watchtower back in I guess it was I think the first song surfaced in 2015 and the the whole book one came out in 2016 I believe if I'm I think correct that's right I think that's and uh, concepts what was it concepts, of, concepts math, of math book one book one any plans for book two book two is written yeah okay and I have all the basic tracks of it for like bass drum and guitar. Uh, but apparently Ron has switched from cube base to something else and none of the files are translating. So we'd probably have to recut everything and that might be impossible Yeah, because it's not an active band. You know what I mean? And actually I feel really bad because we got to deal with prosthetic records and I want to put the other EP out. But we're not. Are they playing. waiting on it? Are they? I, I guess to an extent, right. but you know, I think they knew kind of our deal going into it. You know what I mean? And here we are with a, I think a very cool EP out. And wasn't there a live? You did. You played some. We shows, played overseas right? a, a bunch. Shows, a lot right? of that's yeah. older songs, and you know the guys don't want to play just a, right, like okay. a, a revamp of all the old stuff. Right. Uh, they want new stuff out, and you know to get that kind of stuff down and tight takes extensive rehearsals and we're not all together. Two right. of the guys live close by. The other guy lives in San Antonio. So it's, it's a little difficult with me up in Jersey for sure. I would do it though. And I do have hopes that one day we're going to do book two. Right. But, and I will tell you not to tease the fans too much that are out there, but 
book two is even going to be way, way better than book one. The songs really? wow. are just, the songs are more complex and more true to Watchtower, I think, even, right. you know, and it's awesome. just very cool, but hopefully one day it'll see the light. Cool. Well, before we get into this interview with, with Jason, um, Jason McMasters, of course, who, who most people know through, through Dangerous Toys, but he was a part of Watchtower, and he basically... Correct me if I'm wrong, but he brought you into Watchtower originally, yeah. right? I mean, he, this how guy did was, you know him? I mean, because you're a Jersey guy; those guys were from Texas. For I mean, sure, how did that all sure. happen? Well, he was the face of Watchtower. He was the promo machine behind Watchtower. Like right. without him, what year are we talking here? Like eighty, 80? early eighties, early three eighty four. Okay, you know something like that. Right. He and I became pen pals, right? Uh, old school pen pals. This is way pre internet. Yeah, you know, this is writing letters yeah. and sending a, a yeah. with a stamp for the, the younger mail. listeners. Right. Right. No, no exactly. idea what that means. Yeah. This kind of communication did exist. I mean, he never even had money and neither did I to call each other on the phone and like talk. But what was happening was he would open with Watchtower in Austin, Texas for all the bands we were opening for at Lemoore in Brooklyn when I was in Hades. Hades, Hades, yeah. yeah. So Hades would open for Armored Saint and Megadeth and Anthrax and Slayer and all those bands at the time. And he'd be opening for them down in Texas. So we would like send notes to each of the guys in the bands like John Bush from Armored Saint, you know, like tell John I said hi. Right. It was this really cool little thing we had going on, right. and for whatever it was worth, it was it was the old school of pen yeah, pal yeah. Sure. communication. And what Jason did was he got a deal because he had this dangerous toys band that you were talking mm-hmm. about on the side, which I didn't right. even know about. Like for me. J- Jason was Watchtower, and yeah. the other guys were the very talented musicians that backed them up, you know? Right. He goes, I got a deal. We're on CBS. I'm like, that's amazing. Watchtower signed. And I'm like, how are you affording to call me right now? Like, we right. never call each other on the phone. It's the first time I ever heard his voice, to right. be honest with you. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, Dangerous Toys got signed to CBS. Right. Wow. I'm leaving Watchtower, and you have to come replace me. Wow. And I'm like, dude, I'm leaving for Europe next week yeah. with Hades to go yeah. tour. I can't replace you, and why are you leaving Watchtower? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know the rest of the story yeah. because they were number one on MTV for quite a while. Yes, at least a couple of years. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I mean that song "Scared" was just—I mean, it was huge. Yeah, was and I did listen. Hit. You got to imagine watching that scared video on MTV for the older people in the audience. Right, and I'm in a little townhouse with three girls that are going to U- university of Texas and we're crashing with them for free. And I'm like doing their laundry and stuff right. to like pay my way yeah. and watching the scared video on every 15 minutes on, on MTV. MTV. Yeah. And thinking, Oh my God, you know, I, right. I this is the guy I replaced in Watchtower. Like, of course we're going to be huge. Look at this guy. Right. right Just right. by virtue of the fact that we're associated with him, we're going to be yeah. huge. But of course that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I mean, Watchtower definitely, I mean, do you think the, the legend of, of Watchtower grew even more after you guys kind of dissolved and, and were inactive? Uh, I think there's always been a mystique about the band, yeah. for sure. And right. when it becomes inactive, like, you know, I obviously left the band. I joined nonfiction, came back to New Jersey. Right. And they stayed stagnant for a while because Ronnie had severe uh, finger issues. Right. Multiple surgeries and years of recovery. So by the time he was actually able to play again, it was like three or four years later. And in reality, you know, I wasn't coming back to Texas at that point. So they got back with Jason. Right. They did those shows you talked about in Germany. And then 
they were starting to work on new material. Jason, like he said, is in like 12 bands. Yeah. It was difficult to kind of get them nailed down. And they called me to try to finish it. And that's what became of the book one EP. Okay. I got you. Cool. And on that note, we're going to get into some, some new music by the Howling Sycamore Project, which is a very interesting story behind this that Jason's going to tell us. This is called Upended. And uh, we're going to hear this song by Howling Sycamore. Definitely support Howling Sycamore. Go buy this. Go buy the album. Jason's going to tell us all about it. Here we go. Love you, Jason. Upended by Howling Sycamore here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with Jason McMaster.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and calling in on the line, we have Jason McMaster. Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. You always have so much stuff going on, and uh, I want to talk to you about as much of it as, as we can right now. First off, uh, a great new record is about to, about to drop. The self-titled Howling Sycamore album is coming out on January 26th, and you know you you do so much uh, different styles of music. I, you know, I think this this is going to be very different from people who know you from uh, Dangerous Toys or even Igniter. You know, it's uh, it's um, even Watchtower. I mean, it's 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 really can't be compared to any of those projects. Can you talk a little bit about how you uh, hooked up with this and what it's all about? I will do my best, uh, by way of, uh, what little I know, because, uh, this record was made, uh, in, in, in my part, uh, in a room by myself. Um, the tracks were flown. I'll start at the beginning. Um, I usually call him David. He's very mysterious. Okay. Uh, David, uh, from what I know, is from the, uh, I want to call them like a progressive death metal band. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else to call them. They're called, if, uh, and correct someone call in and completely curse my name if I say this wrong, Ifal Duoth. And... I know very little about this band and I've never ever met David in my life face to face. Uh, and I'll add now that anyone else involved in the project, uh, same, I've never met them. I've never spoken to them. It's very mysterious. I, uh, was contacted via email. I've never heard David's voice before. Really? Wow. Uh, we've never spoke, never spoken on the phone, uh, email only and in very little contact actually. Uh, but I was contacted via email from, uh, what now I feel strange calling him a stranger but from David asking basically, uh, would I be interested in singing on his new record? And, um, this happens to me sometimes. And, uh, the first thing is, is I have to gently let them down with, you know, I need to hear the material before I say yes, right. you know, and, and then I have to say yes or no. And usually the no, uh, I feel really bad because, you know, there's usually a little bit of scratch involved, you know, there's, they want to pay me for my services sort of, so to speak, but I am completely fair because I love rock and roll. I love music. I'd love to be creative and I love, uh, that someone would go, would go that far to even, uh, it's an honor to be asked to be on something as personal as someone's record, you know? So, um, I listened to the material 
and um, actually recorded uh, like a rough of uh, one of the songs, which to me still now, this will probably answer a question you may have for me, maybe not. Uh, the songs were named my number, song oh, one, song okay. two, song three. So I don't know the titles. <laughs> right. I don't even know the titles of the songs. Still, now, even when the record's about to drop, I, I call them song one, song two, song. And then, you know, he may have even changed the order of them. I don't believe so. I believe it was more of a concept record. Anyway, so I, I, I recorded a track and I sent it to him and he was very excited. And, and then we just kind of went on from there. Um, I learned more and more about what was happening, uh, and what the vibe of the music was about as I traveled, so to speak, uh, through the material. And I didn't sit around and listen to the songs. Oh yeah, I could do this here and I could do this there and blah, blah, blah. It was song one, song two, and they were only given to me in pieces just like that here's another one here's another one here's another one and was he giving you so, lyrics with these or were you composing? Yes, yes, yes okay yes yes so everything was given to me at once but like i said i was not opening the files until i was ready to start the new you know journey okay. and um and and, I, and I, there was no, I didn't plan to do it that way. It's just interesting how I came to do that. And once again, seemingly mysterious, even to me, that I was, you know, going through this, what's, what, what feels like a concept record to me, lyrically and everything. And I was going along, you know, who, who's playing drums, you know, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right shit like that i was asking questions that you know song four i was like wow this drummer is awesome who is this person and i would learn more as i went anyway um i did not hear the saxophone which was song one uh i did not hear the saxophone uh song until i know there's a couple of them but the one with the the real saxophone solos it, the crazy yeah, maniacal right. saxophone. When I say that's upended, that, I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, 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 that sounds right. Uh, once again, I have no idea, but I, of course, I have a little bit now because I'm starting to see names with tracks and songs and things like that. But I heard I did the saxophone solo was not on the rough mix that I was cutting vocals to, so you can imagine my eyebrows when I heard the mix with the saxophone flown in and I was like, what the, you know what I mean? And, uh, I love it. I love the chaos. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned that it was different even from watchtower. I, I believe that might be the closest thing that this record is, is nearing. Right. If that's even a word, uh, is the watchtower idea of controlled chaos, progressive metal, um, you know, instruments falling down the stairs at a rapid pace in perfect time. Uh, the, the guitar work 
uh, is this sort of like building mood, uh, which helped my vocal kind of solidify as I went along with what I was, what melody I was to find for the next section. Um, the drums would lift immediate when you wouldn't expect, right. you know, they would, they would sort of have an intro vibe to them, but then they would just blast beat over this sort of super mellow tone of guitar. And that was different to me. That's, it was kind of over the top where I felt like, um, it almost shouldn't like be blast beating me to death over this like mood of guitar. And that was interesting because I went ahead with my initial feel of what I should do uh, in that particular, and this went song to song. This, I, this, what I just said, kind of go kind of, you know, I went with it every, every little thing that happened. I went with it and I, and I created on top of what was, what was there. So there was these asteroid fields in the midst of this heavenly soothing part. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm in this soothing and then, you know, whoa, crazy. So, and were there scratch vocal parts put down or, or no? Shit. No, 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 there was nothing on there. He was like, he gave me, he said, this is create your world on top of what is already there. Wow. So, and I was able to, I had, that was the freedom I had was write whatever melody you want and sing wherever you want. There were minor suggestions coming from David who was like the sort of man behind the mask that I still haven't seen. Yeah. And, um, I, which made it kind of cool in a weird way that there was no connection, human connection. It was all these files you could say, or these, these sounds, which I prefer. And these sounds were helping my sounds come out. Um, sort of naturally, organically, and you know the the lyrics are are very organic. They're almost like this, uh, like I mentioned before, a concept record of um, some sort of sometimes witchcraft and sometimes hippie shit, right. and sometimes uh, this strange earthly obsession with death yeah and if you read all of the lyrics you you know what i'm trying to say and i don't i don't want to just kind of paint it into that corner i mean it's a very vague corner i just painted the the record into but i think that at the same wide net yeah. Uh, as far as what the what the lyrics kind of deal with and go along with, and and uh, he let me change words here and there, and you know I wish I knew Italian and I wish I knew German and I wish I knew Japanese for that matter, but <clears throat> but I will say that the the way that uh, David writes lyrics, he him being an Italian personality and background. I feel like the English is 
not off, but done in this sort of like a slightly different way uh, with uh, uh, wording of things. And I'm, I was completely fine with that. But every once in a while, I would want to, just so it would sing better. Not that I wanted to, well, I want to write some of the words too. I didn't give a shit about that. I was fine with what I was reading and feeling okay. and singing. And, and But every once in a while, I would ask permission to move a word or, or change it to something that would just flow phonetically better as I sang it. And that, that was it. <clears throat> that was really the only um, contribution there was. I wouldn't even take a lyric writing credit at all. Right. Well, but that was that. Was, that's that's all I did, and I believe um, a close friend might even be uh, a wife or girlfriend. Once again, very mysterious. Wrote some of the words. I believe her name was Karen. Yeah, K- Karen Crisis. I think is what I was reading. That's her. For, yeah, that's her, and she has. I think she has her her own following. She has her own deal too. So I thought that was cool too, that there's these, uh, sort of, uh, heroes coming in and wow. vibing out all of this stuff on the record. And, and you mentioned this wide net as far as the lyrics go. I would also say that applies to the music too, because it's, uh, you know, so diverse from the different places it, it goes musically. Yeah, I won't. <clears throat> I, I, I'm very proud of the record, and uh, you know, I don't want to call anyone a genius here, but you know, I don't, I don't know of a lot of records that. So, you know, I played a song for. <clears throat> excuse me, I played a song for a friend fairly recently, and they suggested that, and this was a, a young person. I teach music, and it was a young person who is a fan of of all rock and metal music and is very uh, knowledgeable. And the song that I played, I don't even recall what song it was. It, it could have been upended. Right. And, uh, and, and this, this young person said it reminded them of behemoth. Mm, that's interesting. I could, I could see some, some crossover it, with a band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I liked it that it was, uh, behemoth and and of of that genre and of that style that's oh completely over the top extreme metal but uh i i don't sing death metal right so it was it was like wow okay well that that puts it in another complete uh solid perspective yet you've got saxophone and in whatever I am, you know, a rock, hard rock, bluesy, power metal singer with a thrash metal background on this concept record, for lack of a better term, as I seem to be painting that into a corner as well. Um, but uh, I love the record and I love how mysterious the whole thing has been and will be. Uh, until we, if by act of God or um, a promoter, that we be shoved into a room for rehearsals because there's shows coming up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't know if there would be, if there's any serious plan on that. David talks like talks about this, but 
it's all based on availability as far as my involvement. Right, right. That makes total sense. And would I mean you're you're mentioning that you're open and open to doing live dates with Howling Sycamore. What about uh, another album, or is this more just a one-off thing for you? Too early, no, I believe that it's already. I believe it's already been spoken uh, of that prosthetic once another once a second record at least a minimum of another record so i think david is already writing for that believe it or not cool i find it fascinating you guys have had very little contact except for email that's wild great backstory on that and again we're going to encourage all the talking metal listeners to check out howling sycamore and jason before i let you go just i wanted to just get a quick update from you on on some of the other things we we know you for uh igniter the haunted by rock and roll record still brand new right yes it's uh it's only a couple of weeks out now and um we're still getting some reviews and some press and uh no plans for a tour or anything like that but uh emp label has been great and um the record is a lot of fun it's traditional power metal and classic metal stylings and it's got a raven cover of hung drawn and quartered on there yeah i saw that cool and uh, super fun uh if you like you know leather and studs european style power metal mixed with uh with, with just done by a bunch of texans Nice. Yeah, I have to admit I haven't really dove into the record yet, but I'm I'm excited to check it out. It sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a it's 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 good production for the style. We don't want to overproduce something like that, you know. But uh, if you like Merciful Fate and Dio and uh, you know th- that type of stuff, it will it you'll smile and you'll you'll have fun with it. Very good, and of course. Uh, Dangerous Toys, the band you're probably most known for. Saw you guys at M3 less than a year ago. Just a great, great yeah. performance. And that, that festival, there's something really special about that festival. Just uh, such a community that that comes comes to that thing each and every year. Any plans to ever do new music with Dangerous Toys? I mean, it's been a long time, I believe, since you guys have released anything new. Or is it more just... I guess what we call a legacy band at this point. I like that term, um, milking the shit out of your old materials, right. another term I use. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's fine. Uh, I don't know who would buy a new record other than the, the odd couple of thousand people. And right. um, a new, new, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, not a danger zone or a forbidden topic or anything and there's actually rumors of uh dangerous toys members getting together and and writing some uh some songs in order for me to sing upon but uh those of i'm still waiting for those files to arrive so okay. All right. Uh, it's not a, it's not a hurry up and wait it's not a hurry up and let's you know there's no window of opportunity you know what i mean there's no like deadline or anything like that so i like that you know but i do work fairly well under pressure um 
And, uh, you know, there's other things going on too. There's for the most part, an entire, almost finished, uh, evil United record sitting okay. on the shelf that I need to dust off and finish up. Cool. And, uh, there's rumors that that will be, uh, we're being offered, uh, a sort of penciled in deal for the new, uh, revamped combat records, which is oh, owned and run by EM, the EMP label group. Correct. Yeah. Right. So hopefully the, the evil United will turn up, turn up later this new year and, uh, and come out on that. And, uh, that's a, for people who don't know evil United is probably the heaviest, uh, thing that I have going on the two records out prior, um, on MVD label group. And, uh, let's see, uh, um, Broken Teeth released a record. Um, it's been about, well, it came out in April, so it's been a little while now. Okay. And uh, we're starting to write again as well. And the, the latest Broken Teeth is called Four on the Floor, and it uh, sounds a lot like uh, old New Wave of British heavy metal meets, you know, sort of... Uh, you know, I don't know, back in black, trying to turn into screaming for vengeance, trying oh. to turn into ace of spades. Nice. Nice. Awesome. It's classic, timeless, hard rock, but all done sort of in a style of, there's a little bit of swagger and swing, you know, like some old motorhead style stuff. And it's very, uh, you know, it's very ACDC Rose Tattoo, but it's also very, like, maybe early Def Leppard or early, early Iron Maiden. Uh, you know, it's it's not a fa There's not a bunch of burners on there like Motorhead or, you know, uh, Sanctuary by Iron Maiden or something, but it's definitely that style of, of rock. And I think that, old schoolers will love that. I feel like it's our best, uh, stuff. And the record that came out before that sort of like points that direction too. And that was called bulldozer. And that actually had a cover of Aerosmith's lightning strikes and, uh, the hammer by motorhead. So the covers that we do are, are trying to sort of like, uh, let everyone else know. It's like, this is, this is kind of what, what we are, um, w before we write a song, we're fans of this, you know, uh, four on the floor has a kiss cover song on it. We did rock bottom. Oh, nice. Nice. Great. You got so super yeah. fun. Yeah. Just fun. Just and keeping it real, you know, so don't try to be something that you're not. You know? So, so for our listeners, we're going to have all this stuff listed in today's show notes, on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. Jason has a ton of stuff going on, as always. And again, it'll all be spelled out and listed for you in today's show notes for this episode. You mentioned on top of all this stuff that you are working on constantly, um, new music, the getting out there with, with all these bands and playing live Dangerous Toys. You guys still do live dates. Um, you also teach music, is that correct? I have been a loyal employee 
of a corporate company called the School of Rock for 13 years. Sure. My kids go there. As a vocal coach. Yeah. I love it. New Jersey. And it is the greatest uh, sort of of a young person or an, even an adult. I direct two adult programs at the school here in Austin, Texas. Awesome. And uh, so it's all it's all ages, literally now. So the uh, you know the idea of a young person being able to come in and take a guitar lesson or a voice lesson or whatever, and and then come to a weekly rehearsal as well to perform a show at the end of season, which we have three or four seasons every year. The school has a motto, and I always mess it up. It's we don't teach music to put on shows. We put on shows. And I may have even gotten that wrong, but you see what's what that's about. It's about the journey to the stage that your you that your is your learning experience. It's not being on the stage all the time that's going to teach you how to play your instrument very well. It's the rehearsing and the time that you're in the effort that you're putting into it and the right. fellowship and the camaraderie. And I do feel like the school of rock saves lives. Wow. Good stuff. Because it's for misfits. Rock and roll is for misfits. It's for people who don't play, who it's for people whose uh, parents aren't forcing them to be the quarterback or join the army. Right. Good stuff, and that's, it's for people who might might be socially a little bit out, you know. Right, right. And uh, that's what we're. That's who rock and roll. It was my voice. I was a shy kid, and when I found rock and roll, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what it was about. I knew all of a sudden I wasn't afraid to talk to people, especially if they were wearing a band T-shirt that that spoke my language. Right on. Right you know, you're a young person. It's your first day at school. You walk in. You're looking for people wearing a heavy metal T-shirt so you can talk to them. Right. right. Otherwise, you got nothing with somebody else. Somebody wearing a football jersey or a hockey jersey. I don't know that language. So, so yeah, it's great. I, I am a music instructor. Jason, we thank you for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you on Talking Metal. Guys, be sure to check out Howling Sycamore's self-titled release. It'll be out within a few days by the time we post this interview. And, uh, yeah, Jason, have a great day. Thank you very much for having me.
Scared by Dangerous Toys featuring Jason McMaster's great interview with Jason. We had some some technical difficulty uh, connecting in the beginning there, but um, thank you for for bearing with me, Jason, and uh, making that interview happen. Of course, we are here in my living room with Alan Tecchio and Mike LaPond, who have the Silent Assassins record out. It's Pawn and Prophecy. Again, Mike LaPond's Silent Assassins, Pawn and Prophecy. We will have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net where you can purchase this music, which I highly recommend. Great record, guys. Great work on it. Thank you. So, guys, before we wrap up here, how did you guys first meet? Well, I mean, I knew of all Alan's projects throughout the 1980s, but we never really talked before. But uh, we actually started talking around 2010, I think it was. Right. We were playing in a band called Seven Witches. Okay. And uh, Jack Frost, of course. He's the founder of Seven Witches. So um, that's when we started talking. And that's around the time I was thinking about doing a solo project. Okay. And uh, I just loved Alan's voice. I really did. Like he had, for the kind of music I wanted to do, I wanted someone with some grit in their voice, you right. know, with yeah. some grit and some power. But I also wanted someone who could sing smooth mm-hmm. because I had a lot of lighter sections, you know, some ballady stuff. And I thought Alan was perfect and yeah. he turned out to be perfect. You know, he came into the studio and just was just always great. Yeah. Always great. <laughs> Cool, cool. I agree. Great singer, Alan. Very underrated guy. I mean, seriously, I've always said that. I've always said that. So, so Jack Frost, in a way, kind of was the the guy who introduced you guys. Uh, and how's Jack doing? You guys doing any work with him? I know you've both done work with him in the past. What's what's going on with him? Yeah, we do a lot of covers with Jack. Okay, and. Um would you like to say uh, what you guys are up to? Yeah, sure, man. I wish you were playing this gig. No offense to whoever's playing bass, because I don't even know the guy, but he seems cool from what right. Jack says. Right. <laughs> we're playing uh, the Debonair Music Hall in Teaneck, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Which um, used to be Mexicali. That's right? correct. Yeah, Mexicali which, Live, right, yeah. a place I actually sold last year as a restaurant oh, right, broker. Right. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> and part of the deal was that I play there. Oh, really? <laughs> so okay. This is the gig. Wrote that into the contract. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's uh, no, it wasn't. It was just a handshake right, thing. But right. yes. So March twenty third, we're going to be there with Jack Frost Metal Coalition. Cool. And we do a, a bevy of old school hard rock and metal stuff: UFO, nice. Rainbow Sabbath, Zeppelin, Priest. You know that. Kind Kind of stuff. Oh, great. Cool. So that should be cool. Cool. And Seven Witches, I know, always comes back around. Do you guys know what's going on with them? I don't really? know that anything's going on with them yeah. right now, but I will tell you the irony of this whole interview with me and Mike tonight is, for me, right. we played a bunch of shows together as Seven Witches, yeah. Mike and I. And right. that's how we kind of bonded. And like yeah. he said, that's how he came to offer me the gig to do this. Right. But we're not on any of the same records. Ah, that's interesting. So I'm on right. two albums. You're on two, right? What are you on? You're on call, call, call the wicked. I'll call upon the wicked. Right. You're on one. I thought you were on two. All right. So Joey Vera's on the other ones, and then right. some other dude in the early Joey records Vera be, from before my Fence Warning and Armored Saint. That's right. And you're you're friend, are you friends with him? You yeah. You know, yeah, Joey, yeah well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I would. I'm, look, I'm not like calling these guys every day, but right. John Bush was probably my first contact with those guys. Right. And then Joey Vera by default because 
we were friends with the Torrid Record guys that signed Hades, and Torrid right. Records guys were, were good friends with Joey. Right. In fact, on the back of Delirious Nomad, Joey's wearing a Torrid Records shirt. It's oh, is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. See the logo. The second Armored Saint record. A little bit of trivia there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming over, and I'd love to maybe play just a little sound sample of something to... Uh, to take us out here. I was thinking I'm the bull, but if there was a, another song you guys prefer to play, uh, we could play that instead. That's a cool song. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's Two bass solos. Does <laughs> yeah. it get any better than that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm the bull is, uh, it's a song where I have an eight string bass. Okay. And a four string in the same song. Oh, wow. So <clears throat> I wanted one song where I could just like, do my thing and right. and just have fun and uh, yeah. So that's another one. It's about Greek mythology. Okay. Uh, that the Minotaur. The min. I don't know what that is. That's yeah, like you do. the Minotaur. The oh, okay. So um, you know, it's a cool kind of like I kind of think of it of like Black Sabbath meets Symphony X kind right. of a thing. Cool. It's like you know, slow and, and plotting, but it's got, it's very classical. A little stranglehold throw in. Yes. Right. I definitely uh, was thinking of the stranglehold type of a feel. Right. Okay. For that as well. Very cool. Can't go wrong with that. Anyways, this is, I am the bull. It's, we're just going to play a, a little sound sample of it. And we want everyone to go buy the song on iTunes or even better buy the whole record. Again, it is, Pawn and Prophecy, Mike LaPon's Silent Assassins, featuring, of course, Mike LaPon and Alan Tecchio on vocals, who have joined us here in Maplewood in my living room for this uh, episode of Talking Metal. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you, man.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.